Welcome to the latest edition of the Buff Zone podcast. I'm Brian Howell, and I'm joined by my colleague, Pat Rooney. Pat, how are you? Trying to fight off a cold, Howell, but I'm doing it all right. Well, you are uh, a battling man. I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, doing this uh, through through this cold, and you know, it's that time of year, I guess. Have you, have you had it running through your family, or is it just you so yeah, far? The kids were all sick last week, so I've got it this week. Yeah, isn't that and great? And as I joked to you, as I joked to you before we hit the record, I kind of got a nasally voice anyway. We'll just take it up a notch today. <laughs> well, isn't that the great part about uh, you know having kids? Is like you you know that when somebody gets sick, like somebody in the house is going to be sick for the next seven to ten days. And it's just exactly. Kinda... Uh, but it was good timing. Uh, the men's basketball team's been off for a couple of days. Don't play until Saturday. So I haven't actually missed any practices and uh, should be raring to go on, on Wednesday when they get back to it. Awesome. And, you know, and we're not as paranoid as we would have been if this was three years ago or two years ago, I guess. Right, exactly. You would have had to avoid the team at all costs for uh, 12, 15 days or whatever. But we're not going to worry about that. Let's. We're going to talk about some football today. Um, you know, obviously, you know, last week was signing day and you and I were both out at the press conference and, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of action that day. I mean, they, they obviously signed, you know, uh, our colleague, uh, you know, Adam Unstertiger and I were joking that uh, it's funny that, uh, you know, you can call it a quiet day when the only person they signed was a five-star cornerback who's rated the number one corner in the country. Yeah. And that's a quiet day. Uh, but it really was. I mean, he was really kind of the only uh, signee they had that day because most of the class was December. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about men's basketball, women's basketball, but let's start with football and, uh, you know, just being out at the press conference. I mean, what were your your thoughts on, uh, uh, I mean, this was your first time seeing uh, Deanna in person, right? Because the, the, the introductory presser, you were in Washington. Yeah, exactly. I was on the, uh, I was in a Seattle hotel room, I know, kind of following around, following along. I should say. Um, so, yeah, this was my first time in the room with him, so to speak. And, you know, I wrote a little bit about this in the column over the weekend. I mean, the thing that stands out to me is not, you know, just how Deion Sanders carries himself or, or anything like that. And obviously it's been a, a huge change within the program. But, you know, I'm just still amazed at the, the, the talent level that he, he's been able to bring in here in just two months. Uh you know, four or five star guys are now wanting to flock to Boulder when, <laughs> you know, very few and far between would they ever get any before, as we've seen. So, uh, you know, to me, that's the biggest takeaway. You know, it wasn't anything necessarily at the press conference per se. Like you mentioned, a lot of the uh, action as far as signing guys was back in December. Um, but like you said, pretty telling that a, a slow day includes the signing of a five star guy. Yeah, Cormani McLean is the guy we're talking about, the cornerback out of uh, Lakeland, Florida, that, uh, you know, number one corner in the country uh, the, in this class and the number one corner in the country last class was Travis Hunter, who uh, Deion Sanders flipped from Florida State to Jackson State a year ago. And uh, Travis is now, um, you know, here at Colorado. So they've got the last two number one corners in the country. And, you know, I wrote about this last week. You know, you look at the last over the last 10 years, uh, those two being uh, among those 10, but like of the last uh, of the previous eight, you know, number one corners in the country, I think five of them were all Americans. One of them yeah. is Pat Sertan with the Broncos that, 
you know, was an all pro this year. So um, the number one corners in the country have got a pretty good track record. And so if the buffs even hit on one of those two, uh, I mean, that's going to be, you know, a tremendous upgrade to, you know, what I thought was not the weakness of that defense, but, you know, I thought it was a pretty decent, you know, secondary to begin with, but, you know, you add both of those guys and, you know, that secondary all of a sudden looks pretty impressive. Yeah, how much fun will it be to watch those guys play together in the defensive backfield? I'm already looking forward to that. Uh, and, you know, you put out, as you mentioned, you put out that kind of interesting list of what the most recent top corner recruits in the country have gone on to do. And if the Buffaloes get even a taste of that, it's going to be uh, it's going to make for some exciting things on their defense this fall. Yeah, and and you know, adding to that, I thought Nico Reed was a pretty solid corner for the Buffs, and um, I really hope that he sticks around here uh, and and doesn't look at that and say, "Well, I've lost my starting job; I'm out of here." Um, you know, I, because you obviously need multiple good corners, and I think that that trio right there could be the best you know in the Pac-12. And you know, I think Nico will still play a lot, uh, possibly even start. I mean, I'm not putting it past him that he couldn't beat one of those guys out, especially the freshman uh, McLean, but um, I, it would be great if they can keep all three of those guys somehow and, uh, you know, have, have a trio of corners like that. So we'll see. I mean, Nico's still here, but, you know, we'll see what happens uh, through spring ball in the summer. Yeah, his situation might be something that gets defined a little bit more in spring practice, uh, seeing where he kind of falls in the pecking order in that defensive backfield. But you know, as we know, football has changed over the years. The idea that you just, you know, trot out two corners uh, per game is pretty antiquated with all the spread offenses and whatnot. You need some really solid third corners, nickel guys uh, to be in there, uh, you know, more than just special situations, multi-down guys. So I would think there's – I agree with you. Nico Reed's a, a great player. You know, you don't, you'd hate to lose that on the kickoff and, and punt uh, kickoff returns too. You know, he's, he's – uh, you know, showing that he can be a dynamic returner as well for this team. But his situation seems like one that, you know, he might get a better feel for things once they they work their way through spring practice. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, you look at the, around the Pac-12, you got Caleb Williams coming back. Michael Penix Jr. led the country in, in passing. Bo Nix, uh, you know, Cam Rising. Uh, you're going to need three corners quite a bit on the field. And, uh, you know, it – the Nico Reed, you know, bringing up his name, Pat, I think is something interesting that, you know, it was kind of a, a big topic in my chat on Monday among fans, but, uh, you know, a lot of them were asking how many of these guys from this last year's team will actually start. And there were several in the chat saying none of them are going to start. I mean, this team was terrible. I disagree that none of them are going to start. I mean, I think there's some pretty good football players that were on this team, even though the, the team stunk. You know, uh, I think Jalen Sami, Nico Reed, Trevor Woods, you know, guys like that. Um, you know, Jordan Tyson, if he's healthy, Montana, Lamonius Craig. And and I don't put it past guys that, you know, when a guy like Dion comes in to motivate these guys and, and make them better. I mean, I, I actually think there's going to be more 2022 guys in that too deep than, than a lot of fans are expecting. Yeah, again, I think we'll see some attrition after spring practice. That, that yeah. kind of goes along the lines to what I was saying with Nico Reed. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys have stuck it out so far. And, you know, even in years when there's not a coaching change, we sometimes, you know, oftentimes I should say, see attrition after that spring practice. Uh, and you certainly see it when a new coach takes over. And uh, I, I'm getting guessing – that we might see it even more when uh, it's not just a new coach, but a guy that's coming in 
bringing his own luggage, as he says, <laughs> and completely changing the culture of the program. But I agree with you. There's some guys in there. You know, I don't, I don't think they will be completely bereft of 2022 starters uh, in, in the two deep come next year. Uh, but again, I think that's something we'll see play itself out uh, through and after spring practice. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, obviously, like you said, this roster is still coming together. I, I, I'm actually kind of amazed how few players from this last year have already have transferred to this point. I thought it'd be more, uh, but I think we will see some more after the spring. But, you know, we'll see how spring goes. Uh, I, I do want to ask, since you... Um, got a chance to you know be there live for a press conference with him. What were your impressions of uh, listening to Dion? Pretty much what I thought. Impressive, you know. He he has a message. He has a vision. He sticks to it. Uh, you know, he doesn't really he doesn't waver. You know, the expectations are there. He's kind of lays it all on the line for you. So, uh, you know, I was definitely impressed. But, I, but honestly, I I kind of expected to be to be honest. Uh, uh, you, you know, the way he's kind of come in and, and, and taken charge. And I know you've got some stories coming out later this week about some of the other changes within the program. Uh, it's all been pretty impressive. You know, we'll see how much it, it, it leads to uh, a change in the scoreboard this fall. But, you know, I think it's safe to say they won't go 1-11 and again. Yeah. But, yeah, I was it was definitely impressive to, to be in the room and, and listen to him speak. You know, he's on message. He's focused. Uh, he doesn't stray from that message too much with a lot of, you know, kind of gratuitous coach speak and, and you know, platitudes and, and that sort of thing. Uh, he sticks to his message. He sticks to his vision. And uh, if you're not on board, you're probably not going to fit in. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, you know, a lot of people latched on to, oh, he, he rode his bike into the press conference. I'm not sure people realize that that's almost a medical thing for him because, you know, of all the issues he's had with his with his toe and with his legs in recent uh, in the last couple of years, uh, you know, much has been made of that, but you know, he has a hard time, you know, it's, it, it's painful for him to walk uh, too long. So, you know, he actually rides his bike around because that feels better to him, but um, it was just kind of funny. A lot was made of that, but yeah, it, it's impressive to be around him. And um, you know, you, you can see why Jackson state, you know, was able to elevate itself quickly and uh, you know, buff fans hopefully, or certainly hope that happens here in a quick manner. And so we'll find out in the next few months. Yeah, spring practice begins March 19th. Uh, yep. I'm trying to all off the top of my head, 18th, 19th. And, uh, you know, certainly going to be the most anticipated one since when? Fill in the blank. I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe, you know, after after the 2016 season, there was probably a lot of enthusiasm around 2017, but certainly nothing like this. Might be the most anticipated one since, like, Wizard White. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's been a while. But before we get to spring football, let's transition to uh, some basketball here because we're going to talk about more football, obviously, as we get closer to spring. But um, there is still basketball going on. And, um, you know, both the men and the women, you know, I I don't know if this is the first time this year, but um, it hasn't happened often that they both had a really good weekend last weekend. So uh, the men obviously have been struggling. Uh, You know, they've been up and down this season. Obviously, you've been watching them you know, closer than I have because you've been at every game. But, you know, they come off of a a disappointing weekend in Oregon where they get swept, and then they come home and they sweep the Bay Area schools. And, uh, you know, a lackluster first half against Cal, but a pretty good second half, and then a, a dominant performance against Stanford. So what do you think about the men's weekend? Well, impressive, and you just hope they can pack some of that offense for the road. I, I wrote a little bit about this on – 
on Monday, uh, you know, they've they've struggled on the road, but you know, as Tad Boyle pointed out, they they haven't they haven't been getting blown away on the road. They've they've been in games, you know, as as I mentioned, they've in the most recent story, they they beat Tennessee in what basically was a a road game, even though it was a, a neutral floor by the letter of the law. Um, but they've struggled, you know, they just haven't gotten over the hump uh in those true road games, you know, especially in Pac twelve play. They won at Stanford. Uh, and have lost five in a row on the road. And all of them have been pretty close games. I mean, the biggest margin among those games was a 14-pointer at UCLA. And and that's a game the Buffs had a nine-point lead about halfway through the second half before UCLA got hot and, and, and kind of buried them in a hurry. So, uh, you know, the biggest score discrepancy, but but still a game that, that the Buffs were, were right there in it. Um, you know, for this team to make a postseason, but they're gonna have to get some results on the road is is kind of what it gets down to now. You know, the NCAA tournament is pretty fleeting at this point, and you know, unless they really pull out a run uh, over these last six regular season games and in the the Pac-12 tournament, uh, they still certainly could make a push for the NIT, which, given all the ups and downs this year, I don't think would be a bad destination for this group. Um, but the next three uh, at Utah on Saturday and then the two game trip through Arizona next week uh, will be really critical for this team. Because then you come home and you play the L.A. schools uh, and you finish up with with Utah, uh, three home games. You know, you've been playing better at home, but, but still some tough opponents there. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting if they can get the offense packed on the road this week. Yeah, I think one thing I've written about a little bit is. Uh, which Avon Hadley now out with a uh, finger injury for the remainder of the year. You know, there's it, theoretically it could open up some things in their offense. You know, they, they start two guys from all season in, in Hadley and Lovering, Lawson Lovering in the middle. And that's two guys that defenses don't even have to worry about beyond five feet from the rim. Uh, that makes it really tough for the other guys. It basically makes two defenders that can help and, and sag as they, you know, kind of at, as, with free will, really. Um, you know, it, it bottles up driving lanes for, for K.J. Simpson. It, it, it bottles up passing lanes or, you know, space for open shooters at the arc. So uh, Stanford was the first game without Hadley, and that was obviously a, their, their highest scoring game in the Pac-12, their highest shooting percentage in the Pac-12. Don't know if it'll translate to the road. And certainly it's not to say it's addition by subtraction with Hadley. They, they have rebounding to make up for with him out. They have defense to make up for him without with him out. Uh, but the defense, for the most part, has been pretty good this year. Um, I'm going to be curious to see if they can kind of keep up this, this ball movement and, you know, a, a more efficient offense uh, without two guys in the middle just clogging things up and, and making things easier for opposing defenses. Yeah, it, it's certainly going to be, you know, imperative that they get that offense going and, you know, keep playing defense the way they have been. I mean, you know, you wrote about it, but Tab Boyle said they've been playing, you know, good enough defense. They just got to get the offense. But uh, the tough thing for the Buffs, obviously, is they're currently in seventh place right now in the Pac-12. They have six games left in the regular season, all six of them against teams that are ahead of them in the standings right now. And so um, that's a tough way to try to make some ground when you're trying to beat teams that are above you in the standings and the next three uh, on the road. So um, this is a pretty critical next two weeks, and you, you certainly don't expect them to win down in Tucson. You know, that's a really good Arizona team that, you know, potential, you know, number one seed in the tournament. But, um, 
if, if you're going to make that postseason run that we're talking about, you've almost got to figure out a way to win in Salt Lake and in Tempe the next two games, don't you? Yeah, I think those were the one, uh, you know, no uh, no harm done necessarily if they lose uh, to the Wildcats in Tucson, but it'll be critical to pick up road wins against Utah and Arizona State. You know, two teams that they're chasing uh, in the NIT race as well. You know, as it stands right now, uh, the Buffs are kind of down the pecking order in the Pac-12, even for NIT consideration. Obviously, Arizona and UCLA are locks for the NCAA tournament. You know, I still think the league will get a third bid, whether that turns into Utah. My personal guess, more likely, if it turns into USC, uh, that all remains to be seen. Uh, But after that, you know, the Buffs have some work to do to uh, even be in the NIT consideration. Right now, you know, whoever, if if the league does get three bids, let's say it's one of those other teams, then, uh, you know, the 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 team that's kind of fourth and, and the odd team out for that NCAA tournament picture is ahead of the Buffs. Uh, you know, so is Oregon as it stands right now. So is Arizona State. So they're kind of down the pecking order uh, for NIT selection, even within their conference as it stands right now. Uh, but picking up the wins on the road against Utah and Arizona State uh, would certainly change that. Yeah, well, it's certainly a, a a huge stretch for them coming up, and and you'll be out of Salt Lake City, uh, you know, this Saturday. Um, so just real quick, it is just the one game this week. Uh, what are you expecting out of that one? The Buffs have not seen Utah yet. They're going to see him twice in the last six games. So I, I think they're the only team in the conference uh, that they haven't played yet. So um, you know, the Utes have had a pretty good year. But, uh, you know, they also lost two in a row before knocking off Cal at home the other day. Uh, what do you think of the Utes? You're on mute, Pat. Sorry, Sorry about that, Brian. That's okay. <laughs> my, 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 my cold acted up. I had a huge cough, and I neglected to <laughs> unmute myself. So uh, just be grateful I... Uh, spared our listeners from my coughing but and yeah we, we'd rather have silence from you than hear you cough that's for sure <laughs> blank noise from Rooney and let's roll with it but that's right uh, to your question uh Utah's been strong on defense all all year long that's how they've been able to turn it around you know they're four and 16 in the Pac-12 last year first season under new coach Craig Smith they've completely turned around this year but they have slid a little bit in recent weeks you know they uh they lost to Stanford at home last week before Stanford came here. Um, and he, I don't know, the Buffs, you keep waiting for them to put together a run. You know, they haven't done it yet. I've seen enough of the road woes that I can't call a Buffs victory, but I don't know. I just feel like they're going to play better in this one. We'll see if they make the plays down the stretch to make it happen. This will be a great test to see if they do uh, have a chance to kind of display a, a more efficient offense away from home because the Utes have been very good on defense all year long. Yeah, and this is of the three road games, I don't want to say this is the easiest one, but um, they've actually got they've won some games there. I mean, Tempe's always been a, a tough trip for them too. So in a game in a week like this where you only have the one game, and you can focus on the one team. You'd think that this is a game that CU's got a chance to you know maybe put something together here and go on a little bit of a run down the stretch. Yeah. And you know, if they lose, you know, if they lose all three of these road games, you know, the NIT picture might be the NIT bid might be out of the picture as well. So, right. Right. 
you know, we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes on Saturday, but I certainly think this is a good opportunity. You know, Tad Boyle talked after the game on Sunday that they're not as bad a road team as the record would indicate. I, I would tend to agree with him, but this week for sure is a chance to prove that. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, another team that uh, really is not in the NIT picture at all uh, right now is the C women because they're squarely in the, in the NCAA picture. How's that for a segue? That's pretty good. Um, <laughs> well done. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously the, the women are, are having a fantastic season. Uh, they're coming off of a great weekend where um, they went up to Oregon for the first time in 10 seasons and uh, swept the weekend up in Oregon. And neither of those schools are the same, you know, caliber that they were, uh, you know, the last time, you know, the buffs were up there. Well, the, the first time Jr. went up there with Jalen Sherrod is now the senior point guard. They lost by 58 points. And uh, the previous uh, three matchups up there, they lost in Oregon uh, to 50, by 58, 59, and 29. This is not the same Oregon team. It's not the same Oregon State team. That doesn't matter. They still went up there and did something they haven't done in 10 years. And uh, and this women's team right now, Pat, I mean, number 21 in the net uh, in the latest bracketology, they're listed as a six seed. Uh, this team is squarely uh, not even on the bubble. I mean, this is an NCAA tournament team. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we just got done talking about the the men's team not finding a way to get it done. I believe it's seven out of the last eight on the road for the women's team, uh, with the only loss in there being against Stanford, uh, which which obviously is a a tough one in any season. So uh, picking up road wins is going to make for a great season, you know, no matter what level you're playing at. And I think that's one of the, been the most impressive things to me. Uh, yes, sure. Like you mentioned, Oregon, Oregon state aren't maybe what they've been in recent seasons, but, uh, to go up there and win twice, to go up to Washington and win twice, uh, they, they won at Cal. And, uh, before that, um, it's, it's been an impressive run by these buffs and, uh, they'll, they'll get a chance at home this week. You know, actually they, you know, unlike the buffs, the men's team, they, uh, they get four of their final six at home, including another shot at Stanford, which uh, uh, in recent years, the Buffs have played them well at home. Yeah. You know, and again, we talk about, you know, Oregon's not the same as they were, but the net still loves Oregon. I mean, Oregon, you know, they're, I think it's four and eight in their last 12 games or one and five in their last six or whatever it is, or, you know, one and four in the last five, something like that. But they're still number 19 in the net. They're ahead of CU in the net. And so, you know, and they were 14 when they played. So, uh, even if Oregon's down a little bit, that's still a top 20 net victory uh, for the CU women. And, and yeah, four of the next six at home. And, uh, you know, we're sitting here. I tweeted this out the other day, Pat. I mean, there's six games left, and they're not only in the hunt for a first-round bye in Vegas, but they're in the hunt for a Pac-12 regular season title. I mean, they're only one game behind Stanford and Utah. They split with Utah already, and they get Stanford one more time. And so, you know, if – some funky things can happen, you know, I mean, they're going to need a little bit of help, but you know, they're still in the running for a PAC 12 title, which uh, is pretty remarkable for a program that, you know, just a few years ago was struggling to even get to the NIT. Yeah, certainly a credit to coach J.R. Payne and her, her staff for getting this program where it's at right now. You know, they have a lot of bounds, you know, uh, that Oregon trip. I, uh, not the Oregon trip. I'm sorry. The UCLA win. Uh, I was in Oregon, my Oregon trip. <laughs> uh, for the home win against UCLA, I, I was watching that in the 
hotel room and you know that last that last shot by Kendall Weta to to win it the three pointer the thing that struck me about this and and you wrote a little bit about this was was Jalen Sherrod's pass to to set it up you know Jalen's defender at that moment had kind of sagged off she could have taken a shot from there uh, she could have maybe tried to do something on her own penetrating the lane but she saw an open teammate feathered a ball and and the bus got the win and I think that kind of summed up where this team has been at all season. They have great balance. They have great trust in one another. Uh, they're a team that on any given night, someone can step up and, and make a big play or have a big game. And uh, I think it's going to be pretty exciting to see what they can do over the final six here or yeah. even in the Pac-12. Yeah, no question. And, you know, I, I you, you look at the stretch and we were talking about the men play, you know, all six of their remaining games are against teams ahead of them in the standings. And, you know, clearly the buffs are in a different spot than the men. I get it. But like uh, this weekend, they play the Washington schools, which are both in the bottom half. And then they, uh, you know, go, then they have Arizona state on the road. Arizona's last place hasn't won a conference game. And uh, they wrap up with Cal who is in 11th place. So four of the next of their last six games are against teams that I guess in theory uh, they should beat. Now Washington just beat Stanford. So you can't take anything for granted, but um, the schedule sets up nice for them to, have a strong finish. They won 22 games last year, including the, the uh, Pac-12 tournament. They've got 18 right now. They could certainly get to 22, um, if not higher, before the Pac-12 tournament this year. So, um, you know, I, I've said for several weeks now, I think this is a better team than the one that uh, got to the tournament last year. And uh, this team's fun to watch. And, you know, you know, Pat, we don't work for CU, and, you know, we don't, like, promote anything. But, honestly – Fans, if you want to see some good basketball, this women's team this weekend they're they're fun to watch, and uh, and Washington State's here on Friday night, and Washington State's actually pretty good and fun to watch. They got one of the best players in the conference in in uh, Crystal Ledger Walker. So, um, I guess I don't work for the for the, for CU, obviously, Pat, but um, come see these ladies because they're fun to watch. Yeah, it's been a fun story, and I agree with you. When I've had a chance to watch them, uh, they they certainly have been fun to watch, and. And uh, uh, your, your coverage has been awesome. And, you know, they, if you're a Buffs fan, uh, they do deserve the, the support because as far as the 2022-23 athletics calendar goes, that women's team is probably the best thing happening. Yeah, you know, and certainly the momentum is with football. But as far as results on the uh, on the playing surface, it, yeah, it is exactly. probably it is probably that that uh, that women's team. And um, real quick, I said Crystal Ledger Walker. That was her sister who graduates, Charlize Ledger Walker. So uh, that's that's who plays for Washington State and the star player. But yeah, this women's team is uh, arguably the best uh, you know team at CU this school year, and so they'll be a lot of fun to watch down the stretch. So um, anything else you want to chat with uh, chat about uh, before we wrap this up? Nah, ready to eat more uh, warm chicken soup and <laughs> eat lozenges. Get yourself healthy before going to Salt Lake this weekend. Yeah, like I said, it was good timing. Uh, a couple days off for the men's team, so I was, uh, I was, uh, you know, I was fighting it getting through the game on Sunday night. But uh, been good to have a couple days to kind of shake it off here. But uh, I'll be, I'll be rolling the rest of the week for sure. Awesome. Well, we'll read your coverage and uh, you know my coverage of the women this weekend, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. And uh, we'll catch up again next week and um, you know talk about. Uh, actually, both men and women are going to Arizona next weekend, so uh, we'll talk about that this next week. But Pat, have a good, safe, and uh, healthy rest of your week. Thank you, sir. And uh, as always, folks, thanks a ton for listening.